Have you asked yourself, who am I now that things have changed? Or what's next? Or why does it feel like something is missing? Do you know what you want? If so, what's holding you back? Maybe you feel stuck and wish you could get out of your own way. You're not alone. You'll get insight from every angle on these topics and more on the Tips for the Transition, the Career Roadmap podcast. Every week, you can learn the tips and proven techniques to get you out of that rut and feel more confident and resilient. So join us and eavesdrop on our conversations. Hello and welcome. This is Tips for the Transition, the Career Roadmap, and I'm Maria Tomas-Keegan. I created this show now six seasons ago uh, to share resources, tips, and techniques with women who are looking for help to navigate career and life challenges and to let them know that they're not alone. Each week, my guest and I co-create a show to encourage women to become more confident, resilient, and brave in their careers and their lives. So we, re- we stream this live weekly on YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And very soon, we'll be on Roku, Apple TV, and Amazon Fire TV through the 360, uh, E360 TV network. And I'm so excited about that. More to come on that soon. If you prefer to listen to your favorite shows, we're also on all the podcast channels. So if something inspires you today and you want more of the same, please subscribe to the channels, leave us a comment and share an episode so that we can make more ripples with women around the world. And don't forget, in the show notes below, you will find links that will help you connect directly to my guest and me. So I wonder if you still hear whispers in your head like I do, or maybe they're not whispers at all. Sometimes when I'm about to do something brave and bold, I hear my father's voice saying, good girls don't do that. And then I hear my voice saying, are you sure you want to do that? For a long time, those words would play like a loop in my head, and they kept me from playing big and fulfilling my own dreams. And because I know I'm not alone in this, I've invited Lorraine Hamilton to help me dig under the good girl behavior, uh, why we do it, and how we can change it. So let me tell you a little bit about Lorraine. She's a former engineer. She's a part-time stand-up comedian. She's a voracious tea drinker. We were just talking about the teas we like to drink. And she's a wannabe race car driver. And she's also an award-winning coach and mentor, empowering women to switch on their purpose and potential by unlearning generational conditioning and finding their inner wisdom. So I want to talk with Lorraine and ask her to share some of her inner wisdom. Hello, Lorraine. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Maria. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. It is my pleasure. And I am so grateful that you are here. Uh, It's 
very early in the morning for you. Tell us where you're where you're coming from. So I'm coming from just outside Wellington in New Zealand on a very rainy morning. Rainy <laughs> morning. It's sunny here in Arizona. So <laughs> that doesn't surprise me, though. <laughs> we need some rain. So, you know, send it over the ocean toward us. Will you please? We could, we could do a trade. Yeah, that's good. I like that. <laughs> All right. Let's let's just get a little bit of your backstory from engineer to award-winning coach and mentor, what led you down that path? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a kind of intricate story and, and I'm still really figuring it out now on the other side, looking back and sort of trying to connect the dots. But I had been an engineer for some time, um, first in audio engineering, and then I became a radio frequency engineer. So I was designing mobile phone networks. And um, one of my experiences was challenging, very difficult being the only female engineer in the team of a fast growing company. And I really struggled with, or my manager and I struggled with each other. We had a really difficult conversation, uh, relationship. And looking back on it now, I think when I tell that story, people make an assumption that, oh, I had a bully boss or um, there was some sort of discrimination. And I, I didn't see it like that. It was just that he didn't know what to do with a female engineer. He didn't know how to create an environment that I could thrive in like all of the other men engineers, all of the other male engineers. And that really led me to realize that no matter how hard I worked, I was never going to be as good as the guys that he understood. And that was so, so damaging for me like really damaging. I was very unwell. It was something that was at complete odds with my good girl conditioning that had served me very well up until that point because I knew the rules and I knew how to excel within the rules. But here I was in this environment that was set up for me to fail no matter how hard I worked. So when I came out of that engineering role, it was also around the time that I had my family. So I was looking for something else. And that's when I discovered coaching. I read um, Sir John Whitmore's book, Grow for Performance. And there was that light bulb moment in the kitchen. I was like, oh, my God, this is how I can help people create environments where others can thrive and reach their potential. So that was in 2005, 2006. And so I have been a coach ever since. I, I inhaled some more books, did lots of training, and I've been doing it ever since. And you were on the cutting edge of, of coaching at that time, weren't you? I still am, I like to believe, but yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're creating the cutting edge. There you go. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was an interesting time because it was not the is not understood in the way that it was today. People didn't really understand what coaching was. Right. Um, yeah, it, it was it was exciting and challenging and it continues to be so. Yeah, it was for me when I started as well. So I understand that. Yeah. And I, 
And I understand, and, and I, I applaud you for the way you described the situation with your boss. Uh, it was that he didn't understand what to do with you. Yeah. Because he, he didn't, he didn't have that experience and he somehow couldn't uh, work with you to figure it out either. That was, but the good girl conditioning, let's talk about that. Mm. Tell us how you describe it. And then, you know, what are some of the patterns that you see that have kept women playing small? Yeah, thank you. Um, so the way that I describe good girl conditioning in its simplest form is really the rules that we, the self-imposed rules that we put on ourselves that keep us playing small. And what that often looks like is women who find it difficult to promote themselves. They find it difficult to advocate for themselves they find it difficult to sell or ask for a promotion or even apply for a job that they are not overqualified for. I mean, the anecdote that we've often heard is that men will apply for jobs that they have a fraction of the experience required. Women will have 80, 90 percent of the experience that's being required and count themselves out. So good girl conditioning is really those messages that we've been having generationally. This goes back a long way that keep us from taking or making the opportunities that most men have no fear of taking. Mm. You know, I see that all the time with my clients that they are reluctant to apply for open positions that they are qualified for. They don't, they don't tick off all the boxes. And like you said, many men will fake it until they make it, right? And women don't do that. Women feel like they have to have all the boxes checked before they can apply to be considered um, and they don't consider all of the other skills they have that will make them good at that job, yeah. even though they may never have done it before. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that comes back to a word that comes up a lot with my clients and the women that I work with is that feeling authentic is really important to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They have to feel like they're being honest. They have to feel like they're being in integrity all of the time. It's important. And if we don't feel like that, it eats away at us. And I'm not saying that men don't feel that way. Right. I'm just right. saying that, that it seems to be very important. And I think that goes back to the depths at which we do feel as women. And whilst that can be something that somewhat sabotages us in applying for those roles, it's also where we will find the answer to the problem. And I think it's, it's that gray area that we're not so comfortable with. But yeah. I, I love to work with my clients to position them for roles that are a stretch for them by by identifying what are those 
skills they own and and bring with them that prepare them for positions like that that are a stretch again even even though they may never have done it before and do you find that that is that their x factor that's the thing that sets them apart from everybody else applying i believe it is yeah which is why positioning is so important and and they really have to they they have to lean into this mm. it's it's a it's an uncomfortable place for many women to be um which is why you know the work that we do i know you and i have talked about this before on the individual first right yeah. so that they get really clear about who they are now that things are changing and how do they want to show up who do they want to become and how do they want to present themselves and what do what do they want yeah and when all of those things start to fall into place then that positioning step gets a little easier they can kind of see the possibilities and that's what it takes right it's kind of it open, is. opening the aperture a bit so that they can see the possibilities that they can step boldly into something that they never saw themselves doing before i i love that you brought in the sense of discomfort in it um you know one of the definitions that i have of personal leadership of our leading ourselves is being uncomfortable and allowing ourselves to be uncomfortable yeah but that's another piece of that good girl behavior that good girl conditioning of you know stay safe stay stay good stay nice you know don't rock the boat don't rock the boat did you hear that when you were growing up don't rock the boat oh absolutely so, yeah yeah so yeah. it's all but all of that messaging is stay safe stay small stay quiet right yep yep i i heard little girls are to be seen and not heard yeah that was a that was very prevalent in my in my upbringing from my father's side of of course but not not from my mom's <laughs> thankfully <laughs> thankfully she uh she she guided me uh, as i got older to to be a little more bold and brave but um yeah so let's talk about um this idea of external validation versus internal validation. Yeah. Tell us what the difference is and then why should we even care? <laughs> uh, great. So well, the this idea of external validation versus internal validation most women I work with, and I recognize that I'm making some sweeping generalizations here. So when I talk about women, there is always going to be the exception. It's great to see more and more exceptions happening, but let's, let's amplify that even further. When you come from an upbringing where you are told constantly how to be, how to be, how be quiet, be good, be safe, and how not to be, don't be angry, don't be scared, don't be sad, just 
be easy, be easy. And then you go through the school system where you're rewarded for predetermined behavior. So you're told how to be again. So if you if you behave in a certain way, then you'll be rewarded. And if you don't behave in that way, then you'll be penalized. It's all training on how to be. So we go through that process and then into the workforce, it's very much the same. You know, if you behave in a certain way, then you'll be rewarded with opportunities, with bonuses, with promotions. And if you're not, then you'll be penalized with no bonus or a performance management plan or in the worst cases, you'll be let go. So it's all, you know, if I do this, then I will get if I if I do this, then I will be accepted, then I'll be successful. So it's all coming, we're giving our power to somebody else. Somebody else holds the cards. And that's a place where it keeps us from owning our own power, owning our own destiny, owning our own purpose and potential and our direction in life. We're waiting for somebody else to tell us that it's okay, you're doing a good job. It doesn't come from inside. It doesn't come from an internal knowing. There may be some whispers, but we're waiting for somebody else to tell us, yeah, you're good enough. Yeah. So the internal validation work is all around that good enough and helping you to see that you are and helping you to truly embody that belief, not just logically go, yeah, I know I'm good enough, but it's actually, and I think that's the work that you and I both do, Maria, is that working with the truly embodying, I am good enough. And when we have that, then that's a leaping off point for anything. Right, right. Yeah. So if we can, if we can kind of embrace the internal knowing that no matter what people have said to us in the past, no matter how we were conditioned in the past, knowing where we are today and how we feel about all of that, it's our, it's our choice now to write, make judgment on that and say, you know, is that, is that really me anymore? Is that really how I want to be anymore? Yeah. But and it's how do I want how do I want to be instead? What do I want to be? Who do I want to be instead? And that's a difficult question to answer when you've spent your life being told. Absolutely is. And no one has ever asked you that. That's like the hardest question that I ask my clients. Yeah. It's it yeah. can just jack you wide open, right? Yeah, and the uh, the look on their faces, I can I can see a couple of them right now. They're going, I I've never thought of that before. Am I allowed to think of that? Exactly. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So understanding how we operate, where validation is concerned, if we're always seeking the external validation. I love the way you put it. We we are giving away our power to someone else to say, you're doing a good job. You are a good person. 
you're worthy in someone else's eyes. But when we can turn that inwardly and begin to feel it ourselves, that's when the magic starts to happen. It is, but I think there are a number of steps that have to happen to get to that place because so difficult for us when everything that we are being told is very much cognitive. So we're taking it in on a cognitive basis. The conditioning that we have was when we were very open to, to, you know, we trusted what our parents, what our grandparents, what our mentors, what our church, what our teachers, those people of influence had, um, they, they had a, a, as when we were a little bit more open. So a lot of that is, is embedded quite deeply. Whereas the logic part of, well, yeah, I know I can change this, but are we really changing it? That becomes difficult. And one of the, the examples that I use to try and explain this is if you think about the dieting industry, how many women do you know that have been on diets in the the course of their lifetime? I would imagine that the number who haven't is infinitesimally small. But what diets do is disconnect your mind from your body. We basically teach ourselves not to listen to our bodies anymore. And To get to that internal validation point, we need to have that strong reconnection and have our bodies lead the conversation, which can sound really out there if you haven't done any of that work before. But really that inner wisdom, that inner validation comes from a deeper place. It comes from what your heart desires. It comes from the safety of your your gut instinct. That's really the spaces that I work in with my clients to get them to that point. But if you're not there yet, then an interesting experiment, I'm all about experiments, an interesting experiment to play with is looking back at feedback that you've received. And looking back at, I don't like the term positive and negative, but for the purposes of explanation, I'm going to use those terms Or actually, let me rephrase that. Think about feedback that you would class as praise versus feedback that you would class as criticism and the difference that it makes you feel. Right. And also the weight that you give each of those. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. That's an interesting way to think about it. Praise versus criticism. How do, how do they each make us feel? Yeah. And be really honest with yourself. When you are behaving in any way, in any situation, are you behaving in a way because it's true for you or because you're trying to attract praise or avoid criticism? Wow. good. That's such a good point. And what comes to my mind about this good girl conditioning that it is also not just what people have said to us, about us, around us, but it's how they have 
modeled the behavior that makes us think we need to behave in a certain way and we need to respond in a certain way to gain praise or to avoid criticism, for instance. Yeah. So it's, it's not just all that we hear, but it's a lot what we see. That's right. That's that right. Because conditions us. It's, this is a quite a complex issue because now we're starting to look at the world and go, I want things to be different. I find it really interesting that we're having this conversation right in the midst of the Barbie movie and all the commentary around the Barbie movie. It's fascinating. Um, but we're starting to go, hang on a minute. I want things to be different. I'm being told I can have everything I want, that the opportunities are there, yet why doesn't it feel that way? And that's because when we look at the values that have been instilled in us, because we, we don't, we're not born with our values inherently in us. We get our values, our first set of values from the people that have the most influence over us. But so many of us don't then question those values So then we start moving through the world going, well, these are my values. These are the values that my family and my teachers and my mentors and my spiritual leaders told me were important. Why do I feel so conflicted? There must be something wrong with me. Right. Instead of questioning, do those values actually serve me anymore? Well, like the question you asked before, do, do I even have a right to question my values? This has been my foundation for so long. Why isn't it working for me? How yeah. do, do I even get to, to shift them? Do I get to change them? Do I get to, to pass judgment on them for myself today, where I am today? Yes. And, and the, the answer is yes, but that's not necessarily easy to do when something's been instilled in you. And one thing, I mean, we could talk all for an hour on values easily, but values are fluid and they do change. So the, the, the values that you've been given and just want to stay on, on topic, the values that you are, you've been given, if you're only just starting to question them now, did your parents question the values that they gave you when they were given to them? Did your grandparents question the values that were given to them that they passed down to your parents? And the the answer is likely not. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. So is the operating system that you've been given, that's been installed in you, it's like Windows 95 you're running in 2023. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is deeply embedded. As I said in the beginning, the voices are still playing in our heads. How do we unlearn the good girl conditioning and find our own inner voice, our own inner guidance, our compass. Mm. I love that. How long have we got? (laughs) (laughs) At the the start of the show, Maria, you said something that was 
so relevant at this point. And that is, you said, I could hear my father's voice. Mm. And then you said, and then I could hear my voice. So I would say, start there. Whose voice are you hearing? Is it your voice? And what is it saying to you? What are the rules that are either imposed on you or that you are imposing on yourself? And write them down. Write them down. Write down those the what the voices are saying. That would be the first start, is recognise those rules and recognise where they came from. And then you get to choose. You get to choose what you want to keep and what you want to let go of. But it's very difficult to do it when it's all still in your head. That's so true, isn't it? It's so true writing things down, get them out of your head and, 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 and gives them some objectivity so that you get to say, you get to ask yourself some really tough questions. Like, hmm. where did they come from? And do I still believe it? Does it, does it work for me now to believe that that's true? Yeah. Yeah. And you do get to choose. Um, yeah. The you next... get to choose what you want to believe instead, right? That's right. Yeah. But that takes time because what we have, again, I just want to be really clear that it can be very easy for us to sit here and say, oh, yeah, and then you get to choose. It's, it's, that doesn't make it comfortable no. to be confronted with those choices. And it can take time and work. Well, it also raises some concerns about, you know, if I change what I believe now, and if I change how I behave now, what are other people going to think? You know, if your parents are still alive, how will they respond if I'm shifting my values from what they taught me? And what their parents taught them. What will they think of me? Yeah. There's a whole other set of voices that go on in our heads through this process. Yeah. And boy, the discomfort that comes up with with all of that is it's it's big. It is big. And you know, and sometimes for adult women, it's the response of their friends that they most fear. Like, what will my friends think? Because yeah. when we start to live on our purpose to our values, it can trigger their fear and their discomfort. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I've had so, that happen to me countless times with friends who just have not been supportive of the changes that I've made over the years to make my life better. Uh, and it's it it it's frightening mm. to them that yeah. that um, they're not changing too. They don't want to change. I like it just the way it is. Yeah. 
and that's fine for them if if their values are working for them or if they are not willing if their level if their level of discomfort is not outweighing the level of discomfort it takes to do something different right right so Another, I find that the women that I work with, it can be really challenging for them to allow themselves to want to be different, allow themselves the permission to change. So if that is you, then a mid step towards it is you are influencing every other woman around you. Who do you want to be for them? Do you want to role model that continued conditioning, the good girl behavior? Or do you want to role model for the younger women around you stepping into who you want to become? So who do you who do you who are you role modeling for right now and what do you want them to see? That can sometimes be um, an easier way to step into this work. I love that. I love that. Um, I do. I do something with my clients that is kind of the the um, the early stage of what you just described, and it is identifying first whom you admire and why. Yeah. Who are your role models? And what behavior do they have that you admire and that you might want to uh, lean into, step into? And then that becomes the behavior you model for others. Yeah. So the generational thing that's going on here. We're still passing values down, probably without even realizing it. So this is still a generational condition, right? It is. I I have two teenage daughters, so I'm I'm very passionate about this work. And you can't help it. If you're a parent, then your children are going to look to you and they're going to role model they're they're going to um you know I, I hear it when they speak you know what they what makes them angry what makes them happy it's very much linked to what their parents my husband and I what makes us angry what makes us happy and then part of that role that I play as a parent is also encouraging them to question everything that we do and to question what is right for them and what is right for their goals. So really becoming that coach for, for the women around us rather than the mentor. And just to explain my definition of what a mentor is. So a mentor is, you know, here's something that I did that worked. Let me show you how to do it for yourself. Whereas in coaching, it's more, Let's find the thing for you. You don't have to follow in my my footsteps, but you can. There's a great quote by um, oh, it escapes me, but I will I will 
I will send you a note, Maria, and you can put it in the show notes. But the quote is, follow not in the footsteps of the masters, seek what they sought. So don't, don't just follow and copy what someone else is doing. Figure out why they're doing it. Yeah, what 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 are they yeah, what were they seeking, right? Yeah. And and what they did to find that is not as important as knowing what you're seeking. Yeah. And that becomes the compass. You asked me about the compass earlier. That is the compass. That's the compass. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely the compass. You're right. Yeah. So I, I, I was just thinking about, um, I just asked you about, you know, how we unlearn this good girl conditioning. We talked about that a little bit, but how do we unlearn or no, how do we learn to be comfortable with being uncomfortable? There is only one way, and that's to practice. Do it. Um, It's to do it. But one thing that can be helpful is explaining the, the avoidance of discomfort. So if we think about those feelings that we can have of all the different feelings that we can have, we can be wildly happy and we can be wildly uncomfortable. Think about the messaging around those feelings because no one ever told us off for being happy. So Mm. when something triggered us to be happy, we would start, we'd have our usual baseline of just being, and then something happens and we start to get happy and that feeling builds and grows. And then at some point it levels off and it dissipates because if it didn't and it just kept on going, then we'd never get anything done. So so it, it there's a curve and then it dissipates. But thinking about those uncomfortable feelings like sadness, fear, anger, the messaging around that when we were growing up was don't be sad, don't be angry, don't be scared. And and that was from a very beautiful place of our caregivers knowing how painful those feelings are and not wanting us to experience that pain. But that's robbed us of recognizing that we can survive being uncomfortable. So what happens is, we're at our baseline, something happens that causes us to feel one of those painful feelings, that starts to build. And we go, oh, no, I'm not supposed to feel that way. I must avoid it. And we, we avoid it. We, and that can lead to a whole other raft of problems. Yeah. And that's a whole other podcast. (laughs) Yeah. But what it's robbing us of is recognizing that, yes, it might be that feeling might get quite intense. Yeah. But it will also level off and it will dissipate and you will survive. Right. Just like happiness. Just like you described it. Right. So emotions, I always say emotions need motion and to to avoid them, to suppress them 
it doesn't do us any good at all because yeah. they will pop back up in the most uncomfortable places, right? To make us even more uncomfortable. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, acknowledging them. And you're right. We were not taught, many of us, right? Um, and I think, I think even today, I mean, I can, I can hear, um, I can hear our children say to their children, don't, mm. don't be that. It's like automatic. So this conditioning is generational and it continues to haunt us. Honestly, it feels like a haunt to me when I hear those voices still, it feels like a haunt to me. Mm. And I, um, I've certainly done an awful lot of personal development work. And I think to myself, they should be gone by now. (laughs) But they're not. They're not. They're still there to remind me. And I look at them differently now. I look at them differently. I look at them as they were there always to protect me. Yeah. And my response now is, okay, I hear you, but I don't need your protection right now. I got it. And that's that's the key is that I, I acknowledge it. Yeah. Thank you, but I've got this. I got I'm good. It. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what has helped me over the years to get beyond that conditioning so that I don't I don't hear it, believe it and play small as a result of it. Uh, I can I can I'm I'm aware of it when it happens. I go, yep, I hear (laughs) you. I hear you. And I know where you come from. I know why you're saying that. I know why you why you did that all those years ago. But I'm okay now and I don't I don't need that kind of help in my I, today right now. I don't need that. I got it. Yeah. This has been a great conversation. I know we could go on a number of different tangents. Just that scraping would, the surface. That yeah. would take us, um, I think, would be very interesting. I'd love to have you back. <laughs> I'd love to come back. I'd love to have you back. Yeah. So let's wrap this one up, Lorraine. Let Just tie it in a bow for us. What are the key takeaways here? I think the key takeaways that I would love your viewers and listeners to to consider a little bit further is what are the values that you've been given that you would like to give back? (laughs) Looking at the feedback that you are receiving and how it makes you feel are you behaving for praise or to avoid criticism or even that discomfort? And then my challenge to you is to start leaning into what I call discomfort training. Mm 
<laughs> Put yourself in not life-threatening situations that feel a bit uncomfortable and start that training process of realizing that you're much stronger than you think, that you can be much bolder than you believe. That's the reason that I got into stand-up. It was like, how can I walk my talk and put myself in really uncomfortable places so that I can continue to not be afraid in my business, for example. So discomfort training, feedback, and just a little check-in on the values that are working for you and you would like to keep and the ones that you'd like to let go with love. You know, I love that discomfort training idea. Um, that is why I got into podcasting, like you got into stand-up. This was, um, at the time, uh, so far out of my comfort zone that it scared the bejesus out of me. <laughs> and, and look at you now. <laughs> and now, yeah, and now... Now we're taking it to television. Now that scares me a little bit too, but um, I know I I just the it's practice. It's yeah. it truly is putting yourself in situations where you feel uncomfortable and you're okay feeling uncomfortable because you see the potential in it. Uh, and sometimes it doesn't work out, and that's yeah. okay too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lorraine, this has been such a wonderful conversation. I, I love chatting with you. Thank you for joining me at such an early hour from New Zealand. Um, I know that people are going to want to touch base with you. Uh, and you gave us the one best way. I'm going to put it up at the, at the bottom here. Tell us what that is. So the best way to connect with me is to jump over to LorraineHamilton.net. You can find out more about me. There's always something going on there um, and you'll be able to reach out and connect. And I think you'll have all of my social channels as well uh, in the show notes. So I'm pretty active on social media. Uh, come and hang out. I'd love to learn more about you. That's fabulous. Thank you again for being here. And I invite all of our listeners to check out Lorraine's website. It's got lots of great stuff on it. Thank you. All right, Lorraine, thank you. I really appreciate your being here. And for those of you who are watching and listening, I appreciate that you are part of this community. And if you enjoyed this episode, again, please subscribe, comment, click a star. Let us know what you liked about it. Now, as a career and life coach myself, I help women navigate challenging times more quickly and gracefully. So if something in this episode resonates with you and you would like a fresh perspective about what you're going through, reach out and let's continue this conversation. I invite you to join me in my private Facebook group, The Career Transition Roadmap, to do that. And the links for it and all the links for Lorraine and me are below in the show notes, as we said. So let's uh, meet again here next Wednesday, same time, same place, for another inspiring conversation. Because you know what? I believe it's our time to thrive. So let's thrive together. Till next time, I'm Maria Tomas Keegan, helping you turn transition into triumph.